episode of the Gospel Lifeline. I'm Matthew Statler, and I am here with Neil Grogan. Today we're doing a special bonus episode, mainly concerning some of the things that are going on in the world uh, this week and and recently over the last few weeks. You know, we have um, seen some things that have just been very devastating to our hearts. And, and Neil and I um, both have talked a little bit about what's going on in Afghanistan, but we kind of want to just be super transparent with you today. We want to um, maybe verbally process through what we are experiencing uh, from the fall of Kabul, the fall of Afghanistan, and just some of the consequences of that. And so this is um, a kind of a, a unique episode in that we haven't really thought through exactly what we want to say. And so for about 30 minutes, him and I are going to just go back and forth a little bit and think through this. So uh, just some background, Neil was in the Marines and he fought in Afghanistan. Um, that was kind of his theater of operation, um, lost some good friends there as well. And I... Um, I only did Iraq. And so I was there for the closing of Iraq. And then I was able to watch ISIS uh, grow in strength and, and do the devastation that ISIS did. So on a smaller level, I've seen kind of what seems like a waste of our experience. Um, I, I do want to say from the outset, I don't think anything that our veterans did was a waste. I think that that country in Afghanistan had 20 years of women being able to vote, women being able to go to school, get educated, uh, men and women really experiencing and tasting freedom. And so you have 28, 29 year olds who have um, known nothing but the American occupation, American um, presence and the enforcement of these freedoms. And we've also seen the church there thrive during this period as well. So um, just from the offset, I know it. many veterans are feeling um, overwhelmed by what's going on there and um, as a consequence. So, Neil, one of the things I think many of many guys and many of us are experiencing is grief, um, a, a real sense of loss. Did yeah. you want to say anything about loss? Yeah, I think uh, just to piggyback on something you just said, um, you know, on September 11th happened in 2001, when those towers fell down, our country was placed in a uh, situation of crisis. Yeah. And um, when chaos and crisis and tragedy happens, you call first responders. And uh, whether you're, uh, you know, Marine uh, soldier, airman, or Navy men, you were called as a first responder to this crisis in our country. And for the last 20 years, 20 plus years, you have kept terrorism at bay in the world. And um, so what you did matters and mattered uh, on a temporary scale. And like you said, man, there's been many of, much of Christianity has, has come back and began to flourish in Iraq and Afghanistan and um, other regions surrounding those areas. Um, 
not this massive on a massive scale by any means, but there are believers where there used to be no believers. And, um, you know, that's a reflection of, um, being a protective, doing protective work and preventative work. And so, yeah, may your service matters on a temporary and an eternal scale, you know? So, um, whether you see that or not, that's just a truth, um, that I think is important to cling to now on, on the situation of like grief, like you asked me, uh, Matt, uh, I think there's real grief there because because of your relationships you've made, because of your memories of homes and people who had you in their homes, who fed you, uh, men who attended shuras with you where you ate together and you fellowshiped with one another. Um there's a family that I can think of right now, um, uh, in and around, you know, in Hellman Providence who, um, was hated by the Taliban and, um, but, but he, you know, honestly, he loved, he loved us, this dad, he had kids and this family and they cared about us. And, um, I mean, he went so far as to like pull IDs out of the ground once, which I don't recommend uh, you guys just doing in any, any capacity. Um, but the Taliban, you know, would, would later uh, kill his six-year-old son in front of us. And it, it's hard to swallow when you have seen the evil and wickedness of these terrorists and what they're capable of, um, these up, up, up people who have are hell bent on oppressing other people. Um, it's hard to swallow. It causes grief and sadness in you when you see your government negotiate with them, see your government surrendering things to them. And that I'm using that word on purpose because that's what yeah. they're doing. They're surrendering. Um, and, making tactical decisions that are illogical is very, uh, it's also very difficult to swallow. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of grief, you know, those families who, if the Taliban didn't like back then, uh, they're certainly, you know, now in power, there's no one to protect them today. So man, that yeah. causes a lot of grief. There was a one seven, uh, first battalion, seventh Marines came in after us. Um, in 2012 to Sangin, um, they, they came so close to getting their interpreter out, um, got them all the way to the airport. Um, and then the suicide bomb that took, um, all those lives, 13 lives, uh, for, for the service, for the service member side and a couple hundred civilian lives, including this interpreter that, uh, they had tried to get out, got all the way to the fence to to die in that way. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of grief and sadness and anger. And yeah. I think it's important that we trace the heart and try to get to the, what's at the root of those emotions. I'm glad you, uh, you brought that out, that aspect of tracing the heart. Cause that's kind of what I was going to say when, when tragedy is so 
evident right in our faces. Like when we see yeah. it on the news, we hear the the reports about the loss of friends, the loss of men who have fought beside us, um, those that are not even of our own nation that have fought with us and backed us up. We um, we see the tragedy, and um, when we see that tragedy, uh, we're tempted to want to ask why. Right. Yeah. You know, why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to us? And um, I don't always think that's the healthiest approach in the moment. Um, I think anger towards the surrendering to evil is appropriate. Yeah. I think anger towards the incompetence that we are we are seeing play out. I think anger towards um just failures over and over again to protect the innocent. Uh, so I think anger is an appropriate emotion as long as it doesn't turn towards bitterness uh, or depression or resentment. something. Yeah, resentment. So as we unpack grief in and of itself, and, and we're seeing this and we can cry out, we cry out to God. We've We've talked about about doing that in the past and, and ways to do that. Um, but I wanted to talk about the illogicalness of this. Um, when we see a tragedy and we see people do evil things, um, and, and honestly, I, I was talking to my mother about this, um, how the administration just seems to be so acting so illogically when it comes to the protection in and around Kabul Airport. And I was talking to her and I said, you know, I, I understand why some people do dumb things in life. I understand why people make mistakes or sin or choose um, the wrong path. I'm like, I just don't understand this. And she says something that really helped me. She said, you know, sin is illogical. Um, and the, the refusal to actually protect is a form of sin. So... The illogicalness comes from the fact that it's sinful not to protect the weak. It's sinful not to protect those who can't defend themselves, who are desperate for hope. Um, and so the the illogical nature of it is is sinfulness, wickedness, and yeah. sinfulness. And and that you know that makes me angry that our country, um, founded on principles of of value, is choosing a sinful, wicked direction. And so. Um, we, and, we, and I think it's process. important that we, we don't say, you know, this is not a politicky conversation we're having here. That's right. This is a right and wrong. Yep. And, you know, as defined by God, we are Christian men. Yeah. Um, and we understand our nation is not a Christian nation. Yeah. Um, regardless of whatever you think, whoever you're, whoever's listening. Sure. Um, but we have certain values we've held dear as a, as a country in general. And like to Matt's point, those values are being trampled upon yeah. um, in the execution of what we're seeing over the last few weeks now. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, man. No, absolutely. And, and that's exactly um, what I don't want to get come across. Like this is one administration or another. This is just, wrong regardless of what administration yeah. is is doing it um and, and you know I've, I've heard people say well what about the taliban peace deal um 
that Trump under the Trump administration. Well, I thought that was wrong too. So yeah. like, let, let's not get this twisted. This, the way this we are acting, this guy or that guy. <laughs> yeah. The way we are acting currently in this nation is despicable and uh, we need to process this. And so um, veterans who have fought for this country, bled for this country and are seeing our values um, openly mocked um, on display. I mean, that's, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the Taliban dressing up like the Iwo Jima guys, right. In a stolen American equipment. Um, and, and so uh, Neil. Yeah. Um, I think Matt, I think this happens in any situation like this. I think the lie of the enemy uh, would be that the shame of those in leadership right now is this is their shame, but the service member, the citizen, the, you know, anybody else under that will try and take on the shame of that others have. Yeah. And it, it, you know, it makes me think of Psalm 31. David says in you, O Lord, do I take refuge? Let me never be put to shame and your righteousness deliver me. Incline your ear to me and rescue me speedily. Be my rock and for a refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. You know, I think about there's a, some different things. One I want to highlight is in that text, it says that when God inclines his ear, he's asking, would you turn your head and hear me? That's the prayer. Um, God be my refuge, be my rock. None of this makes sense. Um, let me not be put to shame because I feel the shame. I feel the shame. And this has been a, a text I've been meditating on, uh, this last, last week specifically, um, as I heard reports of, you know, just different wicked actions the Taliban's taking outside Kabul. You know, I, a lot of friends and different communities that uh, are over there right now, uh, or they're on their way home now, and hearing back from them is very, is very difficult, uh, to say the least. And one of the things I kept thinking about was like wanting, just feeling this, this lie and this urge to take on shame. That's not for me. And, um, whatever shame I may have on man, Christ has taken that on himself because I'm in Christ. Uh, He's already my refuge and my fortress, my strong, uh, rock and redeemer. And I'm secure in that. He hears me because I'm his, um, and these are how we untangle our emotions, right, Matt? Like, yes. I think it's I think in this season, it would be especially for a service member, a Christian service member. Your emotions running wild is gonna get your get you into trouble, you know. That's right. And we have to untangle emotions with truth about That's who right. God is, not who we are. Who God is. And what, what, how that affects us, right? Um, and in a season of grief, there is no better lens to view the circumstance through than the nature and character of God. Yeah. Um, Matt? I, uh, I preached a sermon um, a while back during COVID 
um, on Psalm 77. And I titled it Remembering God in the Day of Trouble. And that psalm um, emphasizes that when the day of trouble comes, we need to remember God. And that's really been what I've been doing is is remembering God when I when I watch the news, uh, when I read the reports, when I text my friends and I hear back from them about things. Um, and part of remembering God in the day of trouble means we turn to him um, in prayer, become more God conscious, conscious, right? When when the kingdoms of this world fall apart and all our, our earthly efforts feel like for nothing, sometimes we feel that way. Um, not, not that that's a reality, but that we feel that way. It should allow us to turn to God and, and, and recognize who he is. Um, and then meditate about God. What has God done in the past? Well, he's taken tragedies and turned them around for good. Um, I don't know what God is going to do in Afghanistan. Uh, I know that he formed those mountains. I know that he has um, cared for and, and placed each one in the womb and formed them and knit them in their mother's womb. I know that God um, cares for and loves these people. And so I know he has a plan and, and maybe we'll see the same result as when China locked down all the churches. Uh, there may be a explosion of Christianity. Christianity may grow um, in ways in Afghanistan that we would have never expected. There may be uh, freedom fighters who fight for true liberty um, that grow out of the 20 years of occupation that the United States have had, right? There, there may be people in that community, in their communities who now have seen what freedom looks like. The women have had the rights um, now taken from them. There may be an uprising, right, that the Taliban can't control. And, and so I, I don't know. I don't know what God's going to do, but I, I know that for the apostles, for the disciples of Jesus Christ, that day on Friday, he was dead. He was yep. he was put on a uh, he was crucified and it was brutal. Yet, what happened? Sunday, the came best day in history and the worst day in history. <laughs> yeah, side by side, and and so we can we can have hope that that God is in control. Um, he does good things. We don't we don't know what it's going to be. And and I was thinking about Job this morning, and in Job. Job is kind of crying out like, why, God? Why is this happening to me? Why have you taken everything from me? Um, his friends came along and gave him all the bad advice, right? Maybe there's sin in your life. Maybe you should be ashamed, right? They really heaped on the shame. And Job kept saying, no, I, I don't have anything to be ashamed of. I've done my duty. I did the right thing. And finally, God speaks to Job and, and he says, where were you when I created the earth? And, and I, I some people will take it that God is saying, well, where were you? Like, how dare you? But I right. think it was more of a, a an intimate, you were never here. You don't know the plans I have. You don't know the vastness of my reality. And I couldn't right. even spend, an, uh, you know, there's not even enough time for me to explain to you what I'm doing. And so for me, I, I find comfort in that when, when the stuff was happening in Iraq and when then we saw ISIS uh, taking over, and then we had to send more American troops back. Um, you know, several years ago, it was it was heartbreaking, and, and knowing that you know the men, some of the men we trained, and likely some of the police officers we worked with 
were no longer there. Um, it it was heartbreaking to to know the toll that this that this takes on lives. Yeah. Um, but we do have a God, and and that's something that um, if you don't know Him, you need to find comfort in Him. Um, you need to you need to learn who He is, and maybe this will be um, a time for you to reflect on why yeah, totally you know, why uh, why there is a God. So you're saying, Matt, we can trust in God's sovereignty more easily when we look back at his providence in our lives. Yeah, I think I, th- I think that's it. I think um, that's a, yeah. a beautiful point, Matt, because sometimes it's so hard to trust in something to come that we can't see. But when we look back and we see all that God has done, we see a track record. Right? right. We see we see faithfulness. We see this has said love, this yeah. uh steadfast, faithful love of God that's unshakable, that's unchanging, it's it's set. In fact, you know, uh English I mean, we don't really have English words to even define God's love. That's right. Um that covenantal his, love, yeah. His covenantal love he has with his people. And, uh, and I, I think that's important that we look back. I also think, so that's kind of, uh, I think for us, Matt, that's kind of like the service member perspective. Yeah. But there, there's also this, uh, we're pastors, right? We're Christian men. We have this flock God has entrusted to each of us, um, to care for, to minister to to wash in the word, to prepare for Christ himself. Yeah. And man, when, and, and there are other pastors out there, you know, I heard this prayer request and I want us to look at Acts eight for a second. Um, I heard this prayer request by a pastor and the question was, or the request was um, that we would pray that the Lord would have in one of these Taliban, a Paul, mm. and that the the country of Afghanistan would never be the same because of it. Yeah, and that's a lofty prayer, right? Like that's crazy. And and so I got to thinking about that prayer request, and yeah. you know, which took me to Acts and specifically a couple couple places. I want to read Acts eight one through three, and then jump to Acts eleven nineteen through twenty six. And this is what it says. This is as they have um, gathered the deacon Stephen and they're about to stone him. uh, Or they just stoned him. And it says in verse one, and Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great um, lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. And he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. And those folks, those Christians in Jerusalem scattered. They were dispersed, right? And it says that Saul was tearing them down and killing them. And then when you jump to Acts chapter 11, you see something remarkable. So I believe 
if if you're to do a timeline map, this is about 15 years later from right. that Acts one, uh, Acts eight one through three. Acts 11, starting in verse 19, it says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus um, and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. And the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. So what happened? Great persecution, dispersion of believers. They're in Antioch. They're preaching the gospel to Greeks and to Jews, right? And people are getting saved. <laughs> and this now travels all the way back to Jerusalem and it says that when it got back, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came, he saw the grace of God, and he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithfully to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Yeah. What? <laughs> And when he had found them, he brought them, him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Fast forward, then Antioch lays their hands on Paul and Barnabas and send them on a missionary journey. What's fascinating to me about that whole scene, Matt, is in Acts 8, 1 through 3, they have no idea what God is doing. Yeah, what he will do. The 10th order effects of the stoning of Stephen. That's right. In one day, they would go as far as Turkey. Yep. <laughs> In one day, they would be seeing God do great things. And then a, a, a man that looked familiar but distant would one day walk into their church. Um, to preach to them and to teach them and to invest in them. And that man would be Saul for the, for the sake of his name. For the sake of the name of the Lord. Um, I think we might've run into a, some technical difficulties, maybe um, Matt disappeared, but I will end us this way for the believers who are praying for other believers in Afghanistan. I want to encourage you to continue to pray, pray that God would send us, would send us all uh, that he would have for the sake of his name. Um, a great revival, a great awakening in the country of Afghanistan um, <clears throat> that they would believe, repent, and love Jesus and pray for our service members who are struggling right now. Remember that your this is not your shame. Your shame has been put on the cross of Christ to be bared and um, to be conquered in the resurrection of Jesus. 
Guys, thank you for listening to this episode of the Gospel Lifeline podcast. Until next time.